Welcome back to Romance Ever After, the podcast where we talk to people who love romantic novels about romantic comedies. I'm your host, Allie Parker, and today is going to be another fun one because I'm talking to someone who works more on the cinema side of things. I'm talking to Caroline Renard. Caroline is a first-generation Haitian-American stand-up comedian, actress, and writer. She's the youngest of five, raised by a single immigrant mother, and literally, literally just did what her older siblings did. That's why she went to Florida State University, because her brother told her that's where she needed to go. With a degree in African-American studies and sociology, she thought she was going to be a lawyer, but after a summer working in a law firm, she came home, she called home crying in tears, uh, excuse me, she called home in tears, saying she'd rather write about lawyers than be one. After a cross-country trip, with her best friend in 2013, where there was a mental breakdown and an engine that wouldn't start, Caroline landed in Los Angeles. Since being in LA, she has had every single industry and non-industry job you can imagine. Because the world is on fire, literally and figuratively, Caroline consumes everything from romance novels, shows, and movies. She is determined to make films and television shows showcasing Black women falling in love and being loved out loud. All right, let's talk to the next Black Nancy Myers. Hi, Caroline. Hi. That's the first time someone's read my bio, like, back to me. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you write your bio, but, like, no one, you don't hear it out loud because you write it and you hear it in your head. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow, okay. That's, I guess that's a good bio. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun listening to someone, like, recite my bio back to me. Like, read you your life. You're like, yeah, I, I was it. like. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so uh, before we start talking about today's mm-hmm. movie, I'd like to talk to people and ask them about their own personal journey with romantic yeah. comedies. What mm-hmm. is yours? I want to say that I've, well, like, like the bio said, I, um, I watch what my older siblings watch. I have a mm-hmm. sister who's six years older than me. So I was watching everything she was watching, even if it was like not age appropriate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I was watching soap operas and, you know, things like that, like where meanwhile, like my friends were still watching like Disney Channel stuff, you know, like I was always, <laughs> I was old, always older than, um, than my age because of that mm-hmm. and and I think because I was always consuming content because they were consuming content I was watching you know rom-coms and dramas and all that stuff very early on so I feel like rom-coms have been something I've been always consuming like I don't remember mm-hmm. a time like I wasn't watching something that was like a romantic movie um <laughs> So yeah, so like there really isn't a journey. <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> it was just always I've always it was always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like when you have an older sister, six years older, and you don't have control of the remote, like you have no choice. This is you have life. no choice. Yeah. So I was just like watching stuff at like seven and eight that like I probably had no business watching, you know? <laughs> like I'm telling my friends, yeah, yeah, the American president. That's like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and they're like, Wait, what? You know? Yeah, like we're so, talking about Power Rangers. Um, yeah, so I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking about like, oh my, you know, like <laughs> I'm talking about like movies where they're like, what are you? Yeah, so no journey really. I just always, it was just always there. So how did you get to the like point where you realized you wanted to write them yourself? Um, so I didn't start writing until high school, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's partly because um, I went to performing arts high school. 
and uh, I wasn't getting any parts and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and it would it would always come down to me and like uh, you know a pretty white girl and <laughs> and mm-hmm. I wasn't getting any parts and so selfishly I just started writing because I was just like well you're gonna give me parts I'm gonna write my own parts <laughs> um so that's where my writing started and then um I think I think maybe towards the end of college you know I like I feel like when I first started writing I was just like I'm gonna write like Aaron Sorkin type level stuff <laughs> super dialogue yeah <laughs> super like and I just quickly realized like no oh, I like I like writing fun happy you know things and I specifically you know I, I read a lot and I watch a lot and I, you know, I don't ever see anyone who looks like me being loved on and so uh and so I was just like yeah that's what I want to write like I want to write these like feel-good movies and these romance uh with black women being love and that's kind of like where that happens and what I'm doing is trying to like yeah write films and television shows like showing black women being loved out loud so okay cool well we it's yeah. something we definitely need lots of it more and more I mean like yes. we need romance content in general but specifically we need to see black women being loved yes and yes. all their and all their many facets and not exactly just yeah. exactly okay um so so since you're writing uh mm-hmm. you know with with movies and books, like mm-hmm. romance is driven by tropes. What are the kind of tropes that you like? And does it matter if you're writing it versus like watching it or consuming it yourself? Um, I think it matters for both. I, I think yeah. typically what I gravitate towards in tropes is what I tend to write. Okay. Um, my favorite tropes, let's see. Um, I love a good enemy to lovers trope. <laughs> I don't know why I love you know why I love enemies to love tropes it's because I love the banter Mm. in the beginning and the back and forth in the push and pull (laughs) I love a good enemies to lovers trope I love um uh, I love a good uh uh like fake romance turn to real romance (laughs) um I don't know why I love that I love that where it's like oh yeah let's just do this thing but oh wait I actually have feelings for you and then how that you navigate that mm-hmm. um what else do I love I do love a good like best friends to lovers trope I love a good one of those yeah I um, I do love a little good friends to lovers because it's that whole like watching the chemistry trans go go across the line mm-hmm. like like in the beginning where it's like yeah yeah especially if it's like childhood type friends mm-hmm. um and you're just like yeah I love that oh and I love a good unrequited turn requited mm. I feel like you don't see that as much lately though yeah you don't you don't I don't know why but I love a good like unrequited but this it's I'm very specific on the unrequited turn requited. I love like an unrequited where like the woman's like this doesn't happen a lot but like this is what I really like when the woman's (laughs) like I'm gonna I'm gonna move on Mm -hmm. and then the guy is like 
oh shit finally. this person's been in my life this whole entire yeah. time and I took it for granted and now I have to go beg and pine and work my way back yes. into yes yeah, yeah yes um what else I do love a lot of tropes but I love those typically like come with like a lot of times with like a good makeover like montage too like for yes a good makeover of- montage mm-hmm. yeah like, yeah ugly duckling thing yeah yes 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 um what else a good uh, <laughs> there's <laughs> only there's only one bad <laughs> like is it safe to say you like all the tropes caroline no i hate a love triangle okay okay i hate i hate a love triangle i don't i mm-mm, i don't like it um i don't like billionaire tropes mm-hmm. um yeah that one's gonna probably die hard in the next like, yeah decade. oh yeah exactly but also i don't love a billionaire trope because it's always just like this like oh my god I'm like this poor girl who has like nothing and da, 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 and this billionaire man comes in my life and and he's like I don't know I just don't like it I don't yeah well like I feel like they really they rose to prominence big time especially around the recession and there's there's plenty of mm-hmm. articles that talk about it but basically you know with the with the economic insecurity a lot of people had the fantasy of a guy coming in and basically throwing money at all of your problems and making yeah yeah very very seductive for a lot of people yeah I I don't like a billionaire trope just because like sometimes the uh the protagonist the heroine in the story typically has no agency Mm -hmm. Um, she typically has like no you know she's not moving story forward for me yeah um, and so that's typically why I don't really like like a billionaire trope um I don't really like a love triangle just because it's always like for me I I it's rare that the love triangle it's always like obvious which one she should go with you know like it's mm-hmm. never a a good where it's like oh shit I don't know who she, you know like I want if you're gonna do a love triangle for me it needs to be really like to the point where it's like both guys you're like girl I don't know I don't know girl because they both but then like at that point like just be a thruple and call it a day and just call it a day yeah exactly solve Um, all your problems yes um why the trope I don't like I don't like the misunderstanding trope like someone heard something but they took it because I'm just like it's like common sense should lead you better which I mean frankly in this movie that we're going to talk about today yes there's a lot of those that that pops up a lot um yes let's let's start talking about today's movie Mm -hmm. so uh today we're going to be talking about Notting Hill and I have to tell you this weekend has been especially hard for me because Mm -hmm. yesterday I did you've got mail and then today Notting Hill with you and I hate viscerally both of those movies really I have to tell you I had to start watching Notting Hill and you've got mailed like three weeks before and I could like mm. only do it in like 20 minute chunks mm. to get through the first viewing and then like the second viewing I just sit all the way through but like I I hate both of these movies so much and don't get me wrong especially with Notting Hill there's a lot of like good funny bits yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Richard Curtis the guy who wrote this um he he's a funny guy but he has shitty concept with stories as far as I'm concerned. However, I'm going to do my best to keep my bias. Let's going. do it. I love it. I love that you hate it because now it's just like, ooh, let's let's get into it. I'm excited to see why you hate it. Let's do it. Okay, so a little bit of background for mm-hmm. how to tell. 
Um, so again, it was written by Richard Curtis. This is this is his first movie after four weddings and a three, mm-hmm. three four weddings and a funeral, three weddings, four weddings, four, and a four weddings. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's like had like this massive breakout hit. Um, and so it's like, what's the next thing he's going to do? Well, he had, he apparently said like, he was thinking about how, you know, now that he's kind of famous or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. if he brought one of, if he brought Madonna to dinner with his friend group and, you know, you would have the people who would be completely oblivious. And then he's friends with Helen Fielding, the woman who wrote Bridget Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she knows a clearly she knows like everybody and she's like super into marketing and so she would just like completely fangirl over them so he like ran with that premise of the idea of me bringing my bringing this superstar to my friends and then personally I think he just took the framework of four weddings and a funeral and just but that's that that's neither here nor there <laughs> we're going to keep moving um, and so you know they had apparently at one point they had trying to find somebody who was completely unknown mm-hmm. but they didn't work out so they just like ah oh, let's just go with Hugh Grant and you know mm-hmm. they have wanted to work with the director who did four weddings and a funeral but he had signed into pushing 10 which he regrets to his to this very day um and you know they really wanted julia roberts to be the star and they like actively pursued her but i think at like one point uh nicole kidman wanted the role like so Mm. it was like it was a very like it was a very big piece that people like very actively wanted to pursue and um but this is the movie that we're with you know the lead is hugh grant who runs his little bookshop in Notting Hill. Travel bookstore. Travel bookstore, which is actually based on a real bookshop in mm-hmm, Notting Hill. Mm-hmm. But it, the real place is too tiny to film in, so they had to, like, build their own set for it. All right, let's 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 start in on the movie. Let's recap the movie. So the movie opens up uh, iconically with a montage of Anna Scott, played by Julia Roberts, set to She by Elvis Costello. And I will I will say this up front, like, with all Richard Curtis movies, I might like hate set a good 75% of them, but I do love his soundtracks. I like, I, I don't know yes. if he's good for music, but like, I love all of them. Yes, he has really good music. The, um, what's, there's, there's this one song in this movie that, um. Are you talking about the Ronan Keaton song? Yes. You say best when you say nothing. Say nothing at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah. He has a, mm-hmm. Which really helped Ronan because he was trying to break out of boy zone at that point, and then like he yeah. gets this, and then like phew, he's global. He's not just the little Irish boy anymore. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so all right, so it opens up with that montage to Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. and then we like go straight into this um voiceover done by oh god what's his name William Thacker that's right yeah uh, by, by Will very um, British name very very British, British very British for a very British man um you know of talking about like how amazing Notting Hill is and how mm-hmm. uh you know how much of a melting pot and how multicultural it is though we like see maybe three black people of color yeah I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna be like I ain't seen no black folks <laughs> I was just like okay sure and like, and like not even like not black folks I didn't see no Asian people I didn't see no South Asian South Asian people yeah like yeah no. like, but you but know okay. what but okay yeah but okay um so we open up with that and we're talking about like how awesome Notting Hill is and you know he kind of gives a background of his life he owns mm-hmm. this bookshop that 
you know, does okay, I guess. And he has this house that he bought with his wife who divorced him and mm-hmm. left him for somebody who looked like Harrison Ford, which I thought was kind of weird, but I have a personal opinion on Richard Curtis and we'll get there. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he just kind of runs this like kind of weird bookshop and he has this like weird assistant and, you know, he kind of goes about his day. Um, and one thing I do like is they just don't mess around with getting Anna into his yeah, atmosphere. It's like, like we're dropped in immediately. Yes. Anna walks into his bookshop like immediately and he doesn't even pretend like, you know, he yeah. doesn't recognize who it is. He knows who this is, but he's mm-hmm. trying to play it cool um, mm-hmm. while he's helping her. And uh, but he has to stop um, talking to her because he notices that there's this guy who's trying to steal a book, um, you know, and he goes over very Hugh Grantly and it's like, you know, I hope you take the book out of your pants <laughs> and, you know, and the guy who uh, plays Rufus is the guy from Black's Books. I don't know if you've ever seen that TV show. I haven't. Mm-hmm. It's, it says BBC TV show, which coincidentally is about a bookshop and he runs it, but like he's the worst proprietor ever. And he kind of <laughs> plays it with like that same character that's in this where he's like devil may care and kind of like just an asshole. But anyways, so he, Rufus, like, you know, a, I guess he takes the book out of his pants, but when he comes to the front of the store, he notices it's Anna Scott and like, you know, like a rude person he doesn't play it cool he just asked for the autograph asked for the autograph asked for the autograph and she's just like okay fine I'll give it to you and she inscribes it you should be in jail (laughs) (laughs) and he's like whatever okay he got Anna Scott's signature um and so he leaves and they kind of conclude their conversation and then she leaves and you know will is kind of sitting there like okay well i've just had like a brush with stardom and you know Mm -hmm. that's just that's my life now that's that was it and his assistant comes back in completely oblivious to what has happened and will does not say what happened completely but he would but his assistant assumes that he ran into a star and they have like this really stupid back and forth but they managed to down these coffees that the assistant went and got in like that five minute period time period and he and once they finish that will clearly just need some time to process away from people mm-hmm, so he mm-hmm. agrees to like go get them more drinks and in the process of coming back with those drinks he runs smack dab into anna and wastes the drink all over her and so like she's covered. Second me cute. Yes, second me cute. And this one's like a little bit more forceful, but it gives him the opportunity to say, hey, my house is just right over there. If you want to come in and, you know, get yourself cleaned up. And she's like, I just want to get my car, which I have no clue. I guess she was calling her car service. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, And he was like, well, my house is right there. And, you know, like any good woman with any good common sense, she goes, you need to tell me exactly how far it is. So, you know, I'm not just following you all over London. Yeah. And she's like the biggest star in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like some random dude who accidentally dropped some coffee on me. Yeah, no. So she he points to his house, very bright blue door, clearly well accessible so they go she goes and changes and she comes down in like the most 
inappropriate outfit, I guess, for a daytime uh, yeah. ordeal. Like it's a crop top with like a sparkly skirt. So like now she's no longer like playing it cool. She is a star. Yeah, and very 1999 is, too. Mm -hmm, very <laughs> 1999 with her leather jacket and which I mean that outfit would be very much in vogue right now. Yeah, know, yeah, the for way sure. things are. I I could see some Gen Z like mop, oh like, for sure for the outfit. TikTok um, would be all over, all over it. All over <laughs> it. <laughs> there would be multiple videos yes. of that outfit. Um, and so he's like all gobsmacked, and then he goes into like extra British mode like mm -hmm. offering her basically his whole entire refrigerator and she's just you know kind of bemused by it and he walks her to the door and he thinks okay well second brush with greatness and I've made a complete nutter full of myself but I guess I will never see her again and he says something like um it was surreal yeah it nice. was yeah Mm -hmm. It was surreal, but nice. And she just like kind of smiles at him and walks out the door and he's just sort of standing there and then he gets a knock at the door and it's her again. And he's shocked. And she's like, I forgot one of my bags. And, you know, he's like, oh, and as they're walking to get the bag, she stops him and she kisses him, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of like the biggest thing that keeps happening in this movie. She does a lot of the action. And yes. Things forward. Yes. She, yes, she does. Yeah. So, okay. So she kisses him and they're like kind of standing there like freaked out. And then his roommate comes in. He's played by Reese Evans, who is, he is as messy as you have ever seen this man or he yep. will ever be. Um, and he just completely does not notice what's going Oblivious. on. That there's, that there's a superstar standing in his <laughs> foyer and he just goes into the house and whatever. Anna leaves, we think, okay, he got lucky three times at seeing this amazing woman. Yeah, same he, day. Same day. What more could happen from there? Yeah. But then, but then he gets even luckier. Um, so, you know, he's, he's kind of had this brush with greatness and he's trying, kind of going about his life, but she called and his roommate completely forgot to tell him that she called. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's this like kind of really funny back and forth when they're trying to determine what was going on and like how to get in contact with her. And he finally gets in contact with her, apologizes repeatedly for the fact that his roommate lost the, lost the message. And she's like, well, you can just come and meet me at my hotel. And yeah. that's when we get like one of the more iconic parts of this movie where he goes to the hotel and he thinks he's just going to be meeting her, but he accidentally mm -hmm. walks into the middle of a press junket. And, and because like he's worried that he might get kicked out, he says that he is from the magazine Horse and Hound. And, and you know, he says, yeah, my name is William Thacker. And he she should be expecting me even though I'm not on your list yeah. and he gets escorted back to see her but she doesn't make the point of actually telling them that no this guy isn't a reporter yeah she's just a friend like, he's a friend she just goes along with this whole mm -hmm. yeah he's a reporter thing and sits him right on down into this I guess essentially the press junket and you know she's got people coming in and out while they're supposed to, supposedly having this interview but mm -hmm. instead you know she's trying to like apologize 
uh, for kissing him and he's brought flowers and it's just like this whole kind of bumbling mess. And he asked her if she would like to come out with him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I have something else to do, but it was nice seeing you. And then he's like, okay, well, this is over and he has to go. But he thinks he's just going to lead. Instead, no, he has to go interview the rest of the cast. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like all these all these people that whose faces you've probably seen, like a baby Misha Barton, who, yes. that, <laughs> who says that, you know, she's done 22 movies in her yeah. with Leonardo DiCaprio. And, and he, oh, oh, my, the funniest part of that one was because he was like, um, is this your first film? And she's like, no, this is my 22nd. And then, and then she's like, <laughs> And then she, he was like, oh, who's your favorite person to like work with? And she's like, Leonardo. And he's like, Da Vinci? <laughs> and, and then she's like, DiCaprio. And then and then he goes, oh, is he your favorite director? And I just like love that entire bit. But um, yes. Because like at that point, we're talking, they were filming this in 1998. So yeah. we are at least a year out of Titanic mania. Everybody yes. knows Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Wait, so, and it's just like, just like another moment how like William is really just this regular guy. Like he has yeah. no idea when she says Leonardo who that is. That's really funny. Yeah, right? yeah. So like, you know, brings him back more to like, I'm just an average guy. I don't really pay attention to this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he finally, finally escapes this, uh, press junket and he's getting ready to leave when her assistant I guess I think it's her assistant grabs him and says oh she wants to talk to you again yeah hang out with you tonight Mm -hmm. and he goes shittity brickity (laughs) (laughs) he forgot that he was having he it was his baby sister's birthday party that his friends were throwing and she goes I'll go to that clearly Mm -hmm. desperate for like some more normal life that she has experienced with this guy so far yeah um and so we go to the dinner party which I I actually really enjoy the way she gets introduced to all of his friends I love that scene I just love how like um everyone comes in and it's like it's mm-hmm. a slow build up to like Anna Scott, Anna Scott, Anna Scott. And it's just like, and then you have like the two guys who are completely oblivious to who she is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like she, she comes in and, you know, he, they like let him in the door and like run back to the kitchen because they're cooking. And first he meets his, um, one of his female friends and, you know, she's like, she's about to say, you look like Anna Scott. And she, and before he can do that, he cuts her off and says, this is Anna. So like, she can play it cool. She's like, oh, okay. And then her husband turns around and, you know, he walks over and he's like oblivious. And then he gets up on her and he realizes who it is and he slowly starts to freak out mm-hmm. and then his sister walks in and she plays it completely fangirl just yeah. I love you I worship the ground you walk on can, can we, be, we best be best friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I like I've it. always thought that we would be best friends can we be best friends um and she's like um okay and then- I probably act that way if I ever saw Rihanna so I understand, <laughs> I understand completely where she's coming from I mean, it's fair. It's Rihanna. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I think her and I would be best friends too. So I would probably say oh, yeah. the same thing. So I completely get what the sister is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the final friend who walks in and he's just like, mm-hmm. he's up his own ass about everything in life. And, you know, he's just talking to her and like, oh, what do you do? She's like, oh, I'm an actress. Oh, actress, act, being an actor, it's so difficult. I have a friend who's How probably far? been doing it like twice as long as you. And he barely makes any money. Yeah. What did, what did you make on your last film? And she's like, oh, 15 million. And he goes, oh, okay. And then she like asks to go to the restroom. And the second she's out the room, everybody jumps on him. Like, what about, how did you end up with Anna Scott? What's going on? And that's when the friend realizes, you know, that he was talking to Anna Scott. Scott. (laughs) Like super loud and like, yeah. So after that, they actually settle into like a nice chill dinner and everybody's like very cool and normal. And then we get to this, we get to this point where like basically uh, around dessert where mm-hmm. it's basically a loser, a loser uh, contest. Who's the biggest yeah. loser? Um, and everybody kind of tells like their piti- pitiful story. And she tries to like up the game with like, you know, I've been an actress since I was 19 and I've been dieting all this time. And I don't think anybody who knows me like really knows me or or, or if I can trust anybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of played as this like kind of really sad moment. And then they all just go, ah, you're full of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not, <laughs> yeah, like you're still a rich, famous actress. You're not getting the last piece of this thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, the good, the brownies go to the actual losers here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As they leave, they, so after that, you know, they say their goodbyes and, you know, they're strolling down the street and he's like, you know, you could come back to my place. And she's like, she puts a stop to that right away. She's mm-hmm. like, no, um, that would, things are complicated. We can't do that. And so instead they settle for breaking and entering um to a private uh garden like this on the back of a row of houses and I swear to god I'm pretty sure I've seen this exact garden in an episode of Rosemary in Time I don't know if you've ever seen that it is this mystery show on um you can like get it on BritBox and they're there's they're literally gardeners who go around solving crimes and I'm pretty sure that there was like a dead body somewhere near that bench where oh, I'm gonna add that to my watch list what? yes it's it's, oh, it's rosemary, rosemary in time and it's in super, time yeah it's super like low stakes very comforting a little funny so like if you like like non like is, is brit box like an app with brit for like british shows yeah I, so it's, like, it's like all like bbc shows and crap like that oh. i'm pretty sure it's on brit it might be on acorn it's one of those i think this is the first time i've heard of BritBox. like i'm learning a lot of things today <laughs> okay i have to look into this so yeah but i'm pretty sure there was a dead body at the bench that they end up sitting on um but they go they're walking around and they're having like this nice quiet night mm-hmm. and once again she kisses him mm-hmm. um and they get to this bench where it says what did it say? Where yeah, is so it? like it's a really romantic. It's like, yeah, it's oh, it's for June. 
who always loved this garden and Joseph who sat beside her. And then that's, and then she says, come sit beside me as Ronan Keating starts to swell in the background. That and song. It's, and it's that just song. this like sweet romantic moment. And mm-hmm. we go mm-hmm. and we see them, uh, they go on a date the next day to the movies and you know they're having fun together and then they go to dinner and there's this Mm -hmm. dinner scene which uh you know they're talking but then they overhear these jerks starting to talk really loud and nasty about it it is but it is vulgar so vulgar um and he's will is getting visibly upset by it and anna's clearly annoyed by it and he's like no I can't take this I have to go say something and he Mm -hmm. goes over and you know in his best Hugh Grantishness you know tries to hand somebody their ass but it really comes out sounding more like a question rather than doesn't work he's too polite he's too polite way too polite and he walks away and she's like come on let's just leave and Mm -hmm. She was like, you know, I used to what I normally would have said something in the past, but I, I've given up now. But then she changes her mind and she goes back and she's just like, I'm so sorry for my friend. Uh, you know, he just gets in their shock. So shocked. And they feel like assholes, obviously, mm-hmm. for talking about somebody. Um, you know, because people are humans, even if, you know, yeah. they're stars and if you think in your mind that they're commodities for you. Exactly. And yeah. it's like, and, and it's like a lesson learned. like, don't talk shit or you're going to like, you know, never know who's like listening and like, who's next to you. Exactly. Table. Like if you aren't comfortable with them hearing you say that you would bend them over. And- yeah. It- yeah 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 that that conversation was so disgusting the way that they were like equating being actresses to prostitute and how she Mm -hmm. was like a prostitute and how she like plays it so perfect and i was just and she was clearly clearly wanting it clearly wanting it yeah yeah so it's really gross um so yeah let it be a lesson if you can't if you wouldn't willingly say that to somebody's face better yet if you willingly say that about somebody you care for to their face don't don't do that just don't. yeah it's gross because also yeah they might be sitting next to you if that you, if anything you never know um yeah. so then they leave the restaurant and you know they're kind of in high spirits because of that and he walks her back to the hotel and she she actually invites him up but she needs mm-hmm. five minutes you know to get your room ready get yourself a little freshened up yeah freshen up yeah typical girl come- things yeah, he comes upstairs, he knocks on the door, and instead of Anna answering the door, no, no, oh, that's right, Anna does answer the But she's like cagey. Yeah, she's cagey because he wants to come in for a kiss. And then out of the back walks her American boyfriend. Played um, by Alec Baldwin. Because I really wonder what Richard Curtis's understanding of American men are. Because between between this movie and love actually like with yeah. the with the i he has he clearly has a vision of what an american like macho man is and it's like ugh. he's not wrong on certain levels though on certain levels no but you can still get that same kind of machismo from yeah. from british guys you do but, you do you do I mean, you do yeah i mean it's, it's like Mm, I, I yes because the yes I'm seeing it 
it's mm, like, that's interesting. It's like a, there's a parallel of like, you know. Yeah, of how I he writes in, his American guys. I walk in and I take whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And I. That's, that's an interesting. I wonder if that is how British people view American men. Like if they view American men as like these like men who come in because Alec Baldwin's character, he comes in, he like plants one on her. He's like, oh, you're the, you know, the rooms, like the way he's very just like aggressive and loud. And also he says that one thing to her. He's like, um, like, oh, like, 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 don't. Don't, don't eat, eat too, too much, much because I don't want to be known as the actor with the fat girlfriend. Yeah, so I wonder, though, if that is how British people see American men. Like, I mean, is that their vision of how American men are? It's possible. It's possible in general, or it could just be like an incredibly classist way of yeah. viewing Americans. Or I like don't that's know. just that's just Richard's own opinion of American men. I, well, I'm curious. I would like but to just ask. like by contrast to that, his. Because at this point now, we've had at least two two movies where he's written the American woman as, like, the goal. Um, yeah, the and, perfect American, like, girl next door. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. she's girl next door, but she's, like, completely aloof and unattainable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we get that, again, with Love Actually, it, he has a thing about Americans. And I just, I want to sit down and I want him to explain it to me. I want to understand it so badly because it drives me up a wall. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in Four Weddings and a Funeral too, Andy McDowell's character. Mm-hmm. She's the unattainable, aloof, but girl next door, American girl mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. he, he just wants to get to, even though he has his best friend right there who's way better in my opinion he could begin with but no he wants andy that that goes back to like what my favorite trope is was like (laughs) the unrequited but then turn requited type like i just yeah because it's like guys are stupid and they never realize what they have in front of them yeah um (laughs) (laughs) okay all right so okay so back back into this movie (laughs) all right so we've had this moment where he's like well fuck you have a boyfriend I didn't know you have a boyfriend and he's like really weirded out and you know the and Alec Baldwin kind of emasculates him too because he because he pretends to be uh, a hotel worker who's just gotten off gotten off shift and he was just checking last minute before being done for the night which is the second time that Anna has put him in a position where she didn't tell him what he needed to know up front and he had to pretend to be somebody else because the first time was she didn't let him know he was walking into a press conference and he had to go through these hoops right this movie could be solved a lot with cell phones and texting (laughs) and and but this is also but then this is 99 right this movie was shot in 98 99 like cell phones and texting wasn't really a thing but like not texting but (laughs) yeah not the cell phones we have now right um but this is the second time now Anna has like not been upfront with him about something because I guess her and Alex she didn't really think they were still a couple because yeah. of whatever their messy relationship um but this is now the second time where he's had to pretend that to be something and he's put in an awkward situation because of her and yeah. he's yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah it's a it's again he's he's been thrown off course because Anna wasn't completely clear with him um so he goes about communication 
he goes about his way and he's all sad and depressed and he goes about his life and, you know, he has dinner with his friends and they're like, mm-hmm. how are you doing? And, you know, he's like, well, you know, I, I really, I really liked her. I didn't know she had a boyfriend and like everybody at the freaking table knew she had a boyfriend. Dude. Yeah. It's like a hello. He's like, well, how was I supposed to know? I just, because I don't read hello magazine. So that's another thing. Why didn't his friends say something to him? Like, yeah. Like after dinner or something, be like, Hey, you do know she's dating that American actor. Yeah. Exactly. Communication. Nobody, talks nobody, to each t- other. nobody talks to anybody. Like what kind of fucking friend are you that you didn't call me immediately? And like, you're dating Anna Scott. I thought she had a boyfriend. Exactly. Like a quick, it was like, Oh, did she break up with so? like yeah like I didn't see in the tabloids did I miss something yeah like come on look these are sucky friends and I'm really I'm really pissed off at his sister because she should have been on that shit um (laughs) he's upset they so they decide that they're going to set him up with people and we we get a montage of dates um we get the like really like kind of like uh crazy girl who just wants to get loaded at dinner and it's just like who said who says brash and just says everything that flies out of her mouth we get the fruitarian who's just weird and out there and then we get like the final girl who is really sweet she's perfect and but he is not into her at all and you know he's like you know I've only really ever loved three women one of them married my best friend one of them divorced me and left me for somebody else and you know there's the American who also left me so like what what good am I um and he goes on about his life and we see him I don't know I guess it's been I guess it's been a couple of months at this past we get that iconic moment where the season changes as he's walking no 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 that's that's not it that's not it that's not it oh not yet Okay, so he, but what I, 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 yeah, I'm skipping ahead. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. skipping mm-hmm. ahead. So he's walking down the street and he passes this uh, newsstand, which has her face on like all the colors. Yes. And yes, that's supposed yes, yes, to yes. signify it's been a change of time again. Mm-hmm. And this time he's at his, he's at his apartment, he's at his house and he, you know, he's just sitting there living his life when he gets a knock at the door and yes. there's Anna standing there in sunglasses and looking like hell quote unquote hell it's julia roberts in a gray sweat in a gray sweatshirt and like some shitty sunglasses this is not hell. Yeah. um but she's like really upset and she's crying because there's been they don't outright say it but there's been some nude photos of her that have been leaked mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and they're like all over the place and you know they're bad enough but apparently now there is some video of the shoot and it looks like she was filming a porn and she's just like all distressed and distraught and she didn't know where else to go and she was supposed to be in London for two days doing something and but now since you know she's there there she's there with all the British press and we all know like how crazy they are hello Queen Duchess of Sussex I'm so sorry for you sweetheart Megan girl welcome home <laughs> they did not deserve you the you are with your people you got you girl the way that they treated you made me want to fight a couple of them but yes we <laughs> you're have home seen. now safe. you're home now you got your, your prince and your son 
we we are um, where you will you are loved and we will support yes. you but anyways yes. so she's in London <laughs> and she's like trying to find some place to hide out so she goes to Will's house of course because that makes the most sense um and you know he is there with like a strong cup of tea and listening to her mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. He- yeah, he's not making any moves. He's just being a friend. He's just being a good friend. And he offers the chance for her to take a bath. And yeah. like in the long list of weird shit that he offers her, she's like, yeah, I'll take a bath. And, you know, we get the scene where his roommate, his roommate comes in and he's reading, he's literally reading one of her tap, one mm-hmm. of the tabloids with her pictures in it. And he's like, oh yeah. Like he's got like the grimiest look on his face. Like yeah. after, <laughs> after he takes care of himself, he's going to go take care of himself with those pictures. Um, and he goes into the bathroom and he's taking a leak and Anna's there in the tub and she's like, hi, you must be his flatmate. <laughs> and he's like, he freaks out. He goes out, gets himself together, peeks back Comes in, back in. <laughs> <laughs> and she's there. And then he's like, "Oh my god, I'm like the luckiest man in the world because Anna Scott mm-hmm. is naked in my house." Mm-hmm. Um, and so she just stays there with him for the next couple of days. They rehearse some of her lines for a movie she's supposed to start yeah. soon. Like they have like this whole this whole moment, and it's like nice and quiet, and they just like they seem like they're into each other yeah it's like a perfect like before netflix and chill was a thing but like yeah in a moment at the house no interruptions yeah like the the beginning of a relationship where you just like pull yourself away away from everybody and everything and you're just into each other yeah um there is a perfect moment too in that um with when it's just them um when they're talking and he mentions how it's no henry um uh henry james yeah there's it's no henry james and she's like should i do henry james you know like so mm-hmm. you can kind of see like she respects his opinion a little yeah but he's mm-hmm. never like he's never condescending to any of the yeah work that she does do exactly and he's just helpful and you can clearly see that he's like supportive like person because like because i feel like ambitious women and like very successful powerful women like they need ambition like they need supportive partners mm-hmm. and you can clearly see that dynamic just in that like few days with them together he's like running his lines with her um and he's like you know telling her you know like i don't know it's like you, you can see that like oh this can work like this is yeah a- yeah it's like then they're not completely out of each other's realm of possibilities like he he could be the down-to-earth piece that she's missing um and so you know they have a nice night together and he agrees to let her stay in his bedroom and he's sleeping on the couch Mm -hmm. and while he's sleeping on the couch spike his roommate comes in and he's like why are you down here she is she was upset she came to you she she came here of all the places she could have gone yeah. why are you down here why are you not upstairs with her and he's just like come on dude like she's upset yeah. she's, i'm just trying to be a friend right now yeah and mm-hmm. he's like okay and so <laughs> he hears somebody come in and he thinks it's spike again and he's trying to war throw him off but it's anna and she's there and nothing but a shirt and so they and she's like hello i am here and so he gets up and you know things ensue he does his thing he does his thing sexy times happen and you know they go back upstairs to his room and we get this nice you know morning after very chaste very chaste uh everybody's tucked underneath the blanket 
feet at opposite ends of the bed. Yes. <laughs> and they're having a conversation about like just stupid stuff. And, you know, as the morning proceeds, we hear a knock at the door. And so Will goes to check the door and, you know, he's just there in his boxers and his shirt. He yeah. opens the door and the whole world and has descended on his front stoop. And, you know, he's freaked out, but here comes Anna down the street down the stairs and nothing but a shirt and he's like don't do it don't do it does Anna listen no which that scene annoys me so much though because <laughs> he doesn't really like stop her he does all he says is he goes Anna no like but he doesn't be like I don't know I was just like be I like Anna no there's cameras out like you know like use your words it was so like, like I would have like thrown my arm around her and like yeah. held her back and said there are cameras no it was such a moment of like convenience like of course he didn't get to say and so she opens the door and the camera flashes and blah 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 and I was just like oh my god that's so convenient that like once again where it's just like communication it's like it's like dude like you could have easily been like Anna no there's cameras out there like it does not take you that long to say that the second you saw her at the top of the stairs and she started to work her way down you go no there's cameras yeah and she was going down there excited because she was like oh you, you have something for me you, know, da, da. you could have been like no there's cameras out there like there's could have been something but anyway I digress they were trying to like do something dramatic whatever I get it whatever but <laughs> but also she was just in a shirt and she already knows the press is breathing down her neck why is she opening a door like that but yeah. yes and in, in London it's not like you're in the middle of nowhere you're in a busy street in Notting Hill. Hill it's not the middle of nowhere exactly it's the middle of everything that and is it's like dumb. sir are you gonna let your girl just open the door with like come on like there's just things here that could should not have happened but anyway yeah <laughs> look common sense went out the door the all the way though it was clearly like plot points that needed the to happen. second plot you entered devices. a richard curtis movie common sense went out the <laughs> went right out the window and that in my personal opinion um so the <laughs> she's pissed and she's mm -hmm. like, well, now I have to get out of here because all the cameras in the world are here. Like, yeah, what do she I calls do? Her people. Yeah, they, they, and she calls her people. She calls her car. She's like, you know, she's pissed. But most importantly, she's pissed at Will. She's pissed at Spike. She's just pissed at everything. And this, they have this fight. And the fight is, they're, they're both kind of in the right but Will is definitely in the wrong with a lot of the ways he's trying to handle her because yeah because mm -hmm. he, he kept being like it's not a big deal they're gonna forget about this tomorrow and like, it's just so kind of not understanding where she was coming from because it's like it's not like you're dealing with a regular girl Will you're dealing with the biggest star in the world yes it was something um, that you very clearly, yeah clearly know and understand in the respects of every other time you've encountered her you know you played it cool and you kept the line when it was the press junket you played it cool and you kept the line mm -hmm. when it was her boyfriend like why all of a sudden are you missing the fact that you know we've got half naked jewel half naked Anna Scott on your doorstep being snapped and she told you she came there to escape press yeah mm -hmm. you know it, and it, yeah it, it's he it's you know because they had sex and he was just like this is it I he's he's in this cloud of yeah like he missed where she was coming from what it is for me too because especially because she says the line that you know 
every time I do anything in my life, in my career, they're going to haul out these photos. Yeah. And he's like, well, in my personal opinion, that's not such a bad thing. And yeah. that's when I think that shows that he is it's supposed to be played at the line, uh, the idea that, well, I like it because it commemorates our first time together, but mm-hmm. really it's more like he's, it, it's almost like he gets to brag about it. Anytime anything happens to Anna Scott, he can basically brag about it. His face will be there. Like it's, it's, it's kind of gross and it's not, it's not good. Um, and then I'm sure that's well, how that's, she- that's how she thought about it. I don't think Will's like that person. I don't think that's how he thinks it, but that's how it comes across. And that's how definitely yeah. a woman who's trying to escape the press. Exactly. And, and it was just very, like, I understood both of their sides of it. Like, I understand her. She's like, she just had this, like, she was trying to escape because literally like her naked pictures are like plastered all over, you know, the world to see and she's trying to get away and she's having this nice quiet away from the celebrity and all that with this guy that she thinks she can have something with. So I get where her frustration comes from. But also it was just like, at the same time, it was like, you know, like the reason you were falling for this guy, Anna, is because he isn't like the people you're used to. He's not like your boy, bad boyfriends. Like he, she yeah. should have kind of given him the benefit of the doubt that like, of course he didn't call the press and you know, like well, no, she didn't. She didn't think he called the press. She knew it was. She it had to be Spike, and it was Spike. Spike admits mm-hmm. that he didn't call the press, but he did admit. But he that told he, people. He, he told people that she was at his house, it, which was dumb shit. Right yeah, there. Spike is Spike is dumb. <laughs> Spike is real dumb. That's some. I mean, if he was hot, I would say it's himbo shit, but he is not hot. And He's not. This this <laughs> this movie is the reason why I have the hardest time believing that Lucy Liu's Joan Watson would fuck Sherlock's brother in elementary. Like <laughs> this is carried in the back of my head every time I see him in anything. And so the idea yeah. that, that just Lucy Liu that, that Lucy Liu of all people would let Lucy that Lou, who is into that? her lady chamber. I think not. No. Oh my god. But but this is this moment between them is like another just clear example. But I think this is also like what happens in romance books and rom-coms where there's just such a there's such a clear miscommunication like they're not understanding each other and yeah. they're not, you know, like this is the thing that needs to happen in one of these, you know. And he's he's close he's clearly he and he's doing the thing that guys do. He's downplaying why she's upset. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the that is the number one way to get your head chewed off yes by telling me I have no reason to be upset when I know I completely completely and it's just like Will is downplaying because he's like whatever they're gonna forget about this tomorrow blah 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 but then like it's in Anna's world they don't forget about it but then I also understand because he is just this regular guy who doesn't live in this celebrity world where to him there are bigger things in the world right like they said like you know yeah his friend like I yeah so it's like I get both sides of it but this is like a perfect storm in a romance movie where it's like the two you know our two leads are just not understanding where each other is coming from Um, so again the the issue with this movie is communication um so and so now now is when we get the iconic changing of yes montage where which they did in the 
uh, four weddings and a uh, uh, four four what is it four what? four weddings and a funeral and a funeral show on Hulu. They did it, they they did it again. Um, and it's full circle, but yeah, yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we so we get the iconic changing of the season. He starts at one end of the street. Mm-hmm. He walks down along and, you know, kind of see like little things in the background of mm-hmm. his sister getting a guy and breaking up with a guy and mm-hmm. somebody having a baby and the weather changing. And so we just essentially get the idea that like a whole year has passed at this point. Um, I mean. And which, which is why the scene that immediately follows that with his sister running in to say, hey, I have Anna's agent's number is so misplaced because number one, her hair is longer than what happens in the montage. <laughs> so like they reinserted that in like a, in just like a wrong place. But also it's been a year. Yeah. And it's taken you a year to get this information to get to him. Like, I know he's heartbroken, but it's been a year. Come on, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why are we mm-hmm. still trying to perpetuate this? Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to dinner with his friends and they're toasting the closing of their friend's restaurant. And they were like well I heard she's in town actually doing a movie and you know he's for the most part given up on her but when he hears this he still decides to go and see her mm-hmm. and it's actually it's a it's a movie based on a Henry James book yeah. uh, <laughs> and- which he doesn't find out until um he gets to the set yeah, he gets to the set. He finds out that it's based on Henry James. And he he has some trouble getting in right away. But then Anna sees him and she comes over and she lets him in on set. And she's like, I have to finish the scene. We're really behind. But if you sit here and wait, I, I, I can really talk to you. Yeah. And like, she's like, I would love to talk to you. Like, yeah. you know, she's she actually to be. What did she say? She says like there's a lot to be said or something. Yeah. Like yeah. There's a lot to discuss. Yeah. Like, so she wants to talk to him. She's very clear about that. Yeah. Um, And he's sitting in a seat and they gave him like one of the audio comms that you can listen to. So you can actually hear mm-hmm. actor's dialogue, even though they're filming a ways away. And uh, he sees her talking to her, her co-star and he's just an absolute ass talking about some woman, some teenager's butt, which she which was like basically non-existent. But yeah. he was calling yeah. <laughs> he was calling it huge, like come the fuck on. I get it. You're British, <laughs> but come on. You come know on. a bit, you know an actual big ass when you see it. That is that is not a big ass. Um and but, uh, well, let's also let's think about context <laughs> because what is this is 9899, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember around this time also they thought like J Lo was like the epitome of like big butts and then you yeah. like and then like every every like actual woman of color who was like uh, uh that's uh, that's not a big butt but like that's what like Hollywood was like oh my god J Lo and her derriere in that time like 1989. <laughs> um so it's always funny to like rewatch these things like in 2020 and be like the well, world how far we've we come <laughs> yeah because it's like now it's like you know you know people are literally paying money to get like an actual you know big yes get but. injected get stuff injected yeah butts, and that guy who yeah. got away with like putting cement in people's butts oh goodness the world the world Mm -hmm. um so yeah so he's being gross 
and they're supposed to be doing a scene but you know he's just nosy as fuck and he's like who's that chap I saw you talking to and she just like kind of she wants to play it off she's like oh it's Mm -hmm. nobody I don't even know why he's here I just need to talk to him and instead of waiting around to have it out with her will he leaves like a little petulant child like come on which is one of that's another trope that I hate is when someone that I mentioned this earlier is like when someone in a romance novel or a romance movie hears something but they take it out of context and instead of being an adult and waiting to actually hear what the person meant or like confront them or be like hey what did you mean by that it's like they get butt hurt and then they walk away and then they're like okay and it's just like you shut up and talk to me each other right right (laughs) but like I mean I okay so I would give this movie this having him walk away just because for the most part in this movie so far she's been doing the walking away every time that something happens so I I would Mm -hmm. give them him I would give him this letting him walk away from the scenario if they didn't fuck it up after this where we have where, <laughs> where she she comes to the store the store mm-hmm. with and we have a, the with a fucking literal Chagall painting as a gift for him that she brought from the United States of America for no his man's ass. Worth that. No man is worth that. And no the man is worth a cigar. The, ta- the taxes and fees that you had to import that bitch into the country. Also, it's like at this point, you're importing it into the uk and you guys are like not even a thing yet like you will get a chagall if once i have that ring in my hand yes (laughs) the fact that she brought this over and they like hadn't even had a conversation yet to me was like whoa girl no man is worth that (laughs) which but 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 i would get it because you know she sees it as a piece as peacemaking like offer yeah like you know that was supposed to be her grand gesture to him yeah and that that would have been good except he and she says the line you know i'm just a girl just a girl standing, standing, standing in, front in front of a boy, of a boy asking him, asking to, love him to love me yeah and you know everybody coos over that over that line but the motherfucker rejects her and i get it i get it though i get no, it no, no, i get no. it no no he rejects her because of the fame shit he has not had a problem with the fame shit. He didn't even have a problem with a bunch of cameras in his face. Yes, I get it though, but because this, this is the point. point, but this is also, I get, I get it. I get it in the story sense because it's like, and this is why like finally he's the one who had walked away as opposed to her all the other times. But it's also like a bit of like, I get. But, but basically <laughs> we have him reject her twice in a row. Yeah. He mm-hmm, rejects mm-hmm. her twice in a row twice in a row unnecessarily in my opinion just so that we can get the scene at the end which yes. is very roman holiday-esque yes um, because because then he tells his friends what he did and they're all his friends like you're a fucking idiot like, well no no they're idiot. not they're not like a fucking idiot first the majority of them are like oh you know what it's okay you're right you made the right sensible decision yeah. as he's sitting there with the literal chagall painting yeah but I, you know, in the back of their hair, they're like, we're going to say we support him. And you right, but in there, like, you're like, you turned down Anna Scott. Like, she came and she professed her love to, 
to you and you just said no well it's um, like wait it's what you do with your friends when they break up with somebody and you want to make sure they're really broken up with them before mm-hmm. they start bad mouthing the hey, exactly exactly and, yeah but you know in the back of their head they were like you this fucking idiot like what do you you own a fucking travel bookstore you're turning down anna scott but okay but they're like yeah you know they're gonna be like but, yeah you made the right choice until the friend walks in. yeah until spike walks in he's like you're a fucking prick basically yeah it's like you've like, made the dumbass choice yeah um, the dumbass of choices and then of um, course he realizes his mistake and we have like the big old grand gesture chase, like the running to the airport in love actually mm-hmm. they all yeah. pile into a station wagon mm-hmm. and they're like run they're driving across london to get to her and you know spike hops out of the car at one point to stop literally stop traffic so that yeah. he could get to her our, um, yeah our big ending yes yeah yes. and so he gets to the hotel and first he gets to the hotel where she normally stays and we have the scene where he like tries to re- remember what her cartoon name is so they can figure out where she is and they like kind of run down the whole list and the very kind guy at the desk you know kind of fills him in uh that mm-hmm. she that she wasn't miss bambi she was miss pocahontas and uh, she is actually at the Savoy having a press conference. So then they run to the Savoy and they get in there and they're trying to find, you know, where it's at. But the guy at the desk wasn't going to let him until mm-hmm. his friend, when the wheelchair comes in and says, I'm doing a report on hotels ha- handling wheelchair people. And Lord knows mm-hmm. you, you don't want a Disabilities Act lawsuit. Yep. So he tells him exactly where they are. And he goes into the press conference and, you know, it's packed, literally packed wall to wall with all the press. Like, I've never seen a press conference that packed ever. And also, I was, I'm still confused because they were like asking her, I don't know, I was just like, and I'm in the industry and I was just like, do people have press conference like this? Like, where, because I was like, I was so, I was just, and I still am to this day, like, confused as to <laughs> what, what, what the purpose of this press conference was right? and then like them asking her like how long do you plan to stay in London and I was just like is she promoting a movie because there's no other actors there like I was so there's no other actors there's no other there's there's nobody there makes no sense the prince I... ca- yeah the press conference makes no sense I was just like the so only... they're just having a press conference to ask Anna questions <laughs> the only thing the only possible thing I can think that happened here is that the movie originally ended with her bringing the Chagall to him mm-hmm. and him taking her back and that one too many people mentioned Roman Holiday to him and he mm-hmm. went and watched Roman Holiday and he said "Ooh, this is a better ending and he just slapped that shit on because yeah. that press conference makes no sense. Anyways, yeah. we get, he gets to the press conference and he manages to get her attention to ask a question. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he's still from Horse and Hound and he's asking about, you know, the guy she was pictured with a year ago and, you know, if she still has feelings for him and all this other crap and British press is they're intrusive. <laughs> 
<laughs> so intrusive. And, you know, she finally realizes who it is and she's just going along with it. And you, and then she tells her manager to ask like the person before him what the question, the question again. was again. Are you staying in England? And she's like, indefinitely. And cameras fire, shots flashes, cameras are in his face and her face. Everybody's kissing and hugging and is excited. And mm-hmm. you know, we then we just get more montages set to she, where you know. Yes. They're the wedding. They're getting married. They have the wedding. And then, you know, he's at premieres with her. And supporting her. And then then we we end end with with them on a park bench with her pregnant and him reading to her. Mm -hmm. In the end. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I still love it. I still love it. I still love it. It's still one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's talk. Okay. So what are your like chief favorite parts of this movie? Okay. So I think the reason why I love this movie so much is because it's the reverse of what we typically see. It's always the guy who's like the big deal and it's the famous. Mm-hmm. And it's always like the regular degler, schmegler girl who like gets this like super famous guy. So that's first and foremost, like why I love this movie because we get to see it be reverse that she's the superstar and he's the regular regular guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I love the quiet moments with them. Like it's, this is a really simple story. Like it's, it's, you know, they have a great meet cute, I think in this bookstore and they, they kind of hit on all the like tropes that you need for a great romance, right? Like a good meet cute. Then you have like the great relationship and then it mm-hmm. happens and it falters and then they have to find their way back to each other. Like, it's not complicated. <laughs> like it's no. a really, <laughs> it is not, it is not complicated. A, and I like it. I like that it's complicated. It's not complicated. I still think it holds up. I've watched this multiple times, even before this podcast. I think it still holds up. Um, I think the actors are, also the draw to this film for me I love mm-hmm. a good Julia Roberts Hugh Grant I think they do amazing like you know Hugh just being his like he's being, he's being his Hueyist I I will yeah. say this so I like them individually and I think they embody their roles individually mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people talk about like they have great chemistry and I just don't see it though like I, I think they're two pretty people doing really yeah. well in their roles and they're doing really well in the scene but like I don't feel it between them at all but also but I think also this isn't like this isn't like a super sexy movie like it's just really it doesn't it doesn't have to be super sexy but like I want to feel like they want more between each other than just like have a coffee date which is what it feels like for me every time they look at each other Mm -hmm. yeah I can see that I can see I can totally understand that like because there really isn't like moments or conversations that you have where you're like oh my god these people are just like it's off the charts um and uh, like uh, and I get it and I get why because it kind of is like he she walks into the bookstore and they have like this cute banter and then there really isn't like anything more to it to show that like this is like some super like you know romance it's just Mm -hmm. it really does feel like and like I don't I don't mind a nice quiet romance where it's like very little talking and we're just really relying Mm -hmm. on like more of these two people to carry along the romance but I I think they do very good and carry along their roles I just don't feel like they carry along you don't buy the role I don't buy the romance 
I don't yeah. buy the romance. And that's part of why I don't like this movie. <laughs> I get I, I can see that. I can see that. I buy it. I think I think they're uh, great clear, together. Clearly a lot of people buy it. It made like what? It made oh like yeah, it's like one one of the highest million dollars in yeah. 1998 money like that's a yeah. lot of fucking money yeah it's like an equivalent to like what a marvel movie would make like nowadays yeah. like and it's like a british rom- rom-com it, it's a british yeah. rom british rom-com like, which mostly up until that point had been like you know an oxymoron yeah like in rom-coms like that type of film doesn't it does not make that type of money I understand I'm an outlier, but yeah, and, and I get- I But get I get, I get your, what you're saying. I get it and I understand it. I get why it's not hitting for you, but for me, I don't know. It's just like, it's just one of these movies where you can kind of put on and it's really just like, it's- It is, it's funny. It is legitimately mm-hmm. funny in places. Yeah. Like, even though I hate this movie, I laughed out loud a bunch. Yeah. The comedy, I and maybe I'm biased because I really love British comedy, but like the comedy of the friends, it's of subtle. Spike, of the sister, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's all very, it's it's all very subtle. It's really great wordplay. Like everybody's ha- clearly having a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. And like that, that is enjoyable. But yeah. for me, the the underlying story of it all is kind of really flimsy and trash and i hate that so much <laughs> i hate it so much it's real it re, it overly relies on the crib of us knowing that julia roberts is such a huge star um in ways and so so okay as much as i love this movie and it's one of my like go-tos and i like i put it on and i'm just like it's a happy movie for me and I love you know the flip of like the gender and like Mm -hmm. she's being the star and all that stuff like that one of the things I do have a problem with this movie is William for me as a character never there's never I feel like compared to when it's like like he didn't really have to earn her no he did nothing he did he it's like it's yeah he didn't have to do anything to earn her and I'm just like this is the biggest star in the world and she just fell into his lap and he literally just had to be a nice guy to get her and I was just like he did nothing to earn her Bella and Twilight did more to earn what happened to her than what Will what Bella happened to Will. Ch- yeah Bella chose more than what Will did everything Will did. happened everything Every- happened the will nothing and he just bubbles along with it like he he yeah. only makes one choice at the end and that's mostly through the prodding of other human beings exactly exactly the whole world even though i do understand at a certain point like i understand what the motive was for him denying anna when she comes into the bookstore even though i know you hate that <laughs> moment I, I i understand because it's like you know, like there's been multiple t- times with Anna where it's like he's been put into a position where, um, you know, like she wasn't upfront about the boyfriend. She wasn't upfront. Like, you know, I get like you're this regular guy and it's just like, is it worth it to have to keep going through all this? And so he walked away, even though it was stupid, because it's like you're a fucking tr- like you're a fucking travel bookstore owner. Like, well, like you have. I, I- <laughs> I wouldn't hate that as much if we weren't immediately preceded with the scene of him at the film set. Like if that film set piece was not there at all, yeah. and we just had Anna showing up with the Chagall and her saying, yeah. I'm, I'm here making amends. And I'm he he, to he needed to earn his walking away more. He needed to yeah. earn that moment more because I get what the 
intention was of him being like I don't think I'm ready for this because you because she does say it at one point in the movie she's like every time I try to make it work with a regular guy like it's just whatever whatever Mm -hmm. but once again William really doesn't do anything to earn him walking away from literally the most gorgeous most beautiful most amazing person you know what I mean like I understand she kind of like okay she wasn't honest with the boyfriend blah blah blah. but that's she didn't think she was still dating him because they had a fucked up relationship or like mm-hmm. it's like the only time she could see you was be- in between her press junkets and I've been to press junkets and they're fucking insane like there's literally mm-hmm. no time people are like you know these actors are talking to like 500 fucking people and so that's literally the only time she was able to see you so that's how she kind of slot slotted you in like I but it's like he didn't earn her and he didn't earn his like high horse on the walkway like I feel like there were so many moments where it's like he could have been more active Mm-hmm. And, like if, um, if if it had been if it had been that the one time the last time they saw each other was after that morning with the with the press and you know he's downtrodden and sad and he misses her and he didn't go to that film set because he went to that film set he yeah. he went to that film yeah. set to see her so clearly he doesn't care he doesn't care about the fame stuff I think it, yeah. just that that totally cuts the legs off from that if he had yeah. stayed his bony mm-hmm. ass in his do nothing travel bookshop and let her come to him and ask for had like an actual conversation about like I feel like they never had a like real actual conversation about like what this would be you know what I mean like mm-hmm you are going to be dating the biggest star in the world what is that going to do to you or like what does that do for like they never really had any a lot of the conversations were kind of superficial like it wasn't mm-hmm. really very like okay like your life's about to change or like are you up for this or like this is what it means to date me and also I I think it would have been worked a little bit more for a lot of people who don't like just if like we got to see them as a couple a little bit more you know what I mean like we didn't really get to see them like at this point at this point they've had at the at most four dates they've got yeah they've got the birthday party in a span of a like a year and a half half. like it yeah they got the birthday party the movies um and then like him coming over to dinner and then her hideaway yeah like that's nothing yeah that's nothing. that's nothing we didn't really get to see their relationship like it's like it's but for you know for both of them I think the main underlying things I think that we both have a problem with is like we didn't really get to see them earn this win like this this great this love that is it's just like it's like it's like he wanted us to just like you were saying like we were supposed to just know that she's the biggest star in the world but mm-hmm. we didn't really get to see it like we didn't really get to see the fact that she literally is the Beyonce like she can't you know like and we didn't get to see why this is some epic love that yeah it's, yeah it's, like it's there, the loss of the idea that this is like a huge epic love like that that's yeah. what, what's missing for me and so that kind of brings me into like looking at it from like a book perspective what mm-hmm. would work what wouldn't and I think this is probably in the back of my mind probably what drives me craziest the most because this would definitely be a first person romance we would yeah. only see it from his we would only see it from his POV 
and yeah only his pov and that's basically all we get and so we definitely know none of her motivations Mm -hmm. and because Mm -hmm. if it was a book we would need to see more of anna in other ways but at the most that we get from it in this movie we get like nothing of anna this would probably work better in a book because it's like all the things that we're missing to show us why this is one some epic love and one what like it is to deal because I've read some romance novels where you know it's she falls in love with a celebrity and blah 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 like what does that mean for the you know upheaval of her life and how she needs to navigate that and like how her small town like I only have, you know, changes and da-da-da and all the stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we really get to see those, like, inner monologues and those inner thoughts. And we really get to, like, feel those things and, like, the conversation and the ups and downs and all that stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's missing in the movie is, like, we don't really get to see, one, their relationship and why this is some, like, amazing relationship for both of them. Mm -hmm. It could be better explored in a book because you have the space and the time to really flesh it out. Flesh it out. And and it's not, and because it's in book we can't overly rely on number one the charm of the actors yes and two we can't crib on the actor's actual fame uh-huh, into it uh-huh. because again that's why that's the chief reason why they went with julia roberts oh julia yeah roberts, she was a, she she was a fucking megastar at that point yeah. i mean she's at still she's still a-list but she was like out there out there more and like you know julia roberts was the rom-com queen so you get yeah. her in a role about a famous star in a rom-com was essentially playing herself yeah she was she basically was and so part of her literally part of her celebrity was part of her reason for having the role so i i think in a book it could work better um maybe we could maybe the fetishization of american white women would be better dealt with (laughs) I, i i i'm so curious like I just want to know, Richard. I just want to know what is happening with American women. You know, you know what film? No, you know what I'm gonna say because you probably are gonna like have an episode about this. Um, because I was thinking about like, you know, like the movie Beyond the Lights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah, that would be a different. That would that that would be a a definitely a good one to like compare this to. Yeah, because I was gonna say it's just like here you have like a black mega superstar dating mm-hmm. like the regular regular schmegler guy and then that whole dynamic and stuff like that so yeah. so then we get to see kind of like that differences because it is like what you said it's just like he does have this weird like it, it's and it's all his movies like um which we'll call it even uh love i mean love actually chief among them the little boy he he's absolutely in love with a little American girl, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. and then you've got the the one British dude who goes to Wisconsin to. Oh my uh, god! And then when he gets there, it's just like how he thinks American girls are just gonna completely be like in love with him because he's simply British. And, and basically, that's what happens. And yeah. That's what happens. And then she's like, you know, uh, some American girls we need more than just the accent. It's not like. Um, like the accent is like the accent's nice but like that's not it's not everything (laughs) it's not everything Um, (laughs) yeah I feel like we I feel like we should have Richard on this so we can ask him all those questions being like yes I I, 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 I
American women and also like why do you think American women are this one way? dimension yeah well, would love to have that conversation but anyways so that's Notting Hill <laughs> that's Notting Hill I still love it I still very much love it but I, I very much understand why it's not your favorite it's very I like I very much understand because there's a lot I just feel also like that's kind of like the downside of film is like compared to like novels like you really don't have room to yeah flush things out in certain yeah yeah because that was like what was my you know like as much as I love it like I can clearly see the flaws in it like I'm not gonna sit up there and be like no this is the perfect movie and you cannot you know like no I can see it because I'm like William Thatcher like so he just just does nothing and gets this beautiful amazing woman that he did not like What's so great about him besides being a regular guy that he just yeah. Gets her, like he I mean, do... to be fair, to be fair, there are plenty of average ass dudes who get some amazing women which, and they do nothing. But... Which is one of my biggest pet peeves because it's like, men, what and why? No, you don't just get amazing women just because you're men. Like, can we start <laughs> talking about that? Maybe, maybe that's like another question we should ask. What should be like? Why do you just regular ass guys get these amazing women when they did nothing to earn them? Nothing, nothing. Okay, well, um, (laughs) thank you for listening to me shit on one of your favorite movies uh, for an hour. Listen, I get it. I get it. I understand. Um, I'm going to still rock with it. I still love it, but I completely understand. All your your hate for it is very valid. Thank you. I get it. So, So what do you have going on right now, Caroline? Um, what do I have going on? Um, I'm currently working on uh, the new Bel Air show on Peacock. Um, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, thank you. So that's been kind of taking over my life. Um, we're, uh, I'm the writer's assistant on that show. So uh, that's been fun. But of course, also in the meantime, I'm writing um, my own stuff. <laughs> um, cool my own like uh, rom com stuff. Um, uh, there's no stand-up happening because we're in a pandemic. And um, <laughs> I don't know if you try to like attend one of these, like, cause some people have been doing stand-up like virtually, like on Zoom mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's not the same. Not the same. It is, yeah, no, it's not like being in a comedy club. Um, so yeah, so no stand-up, but lots and lots of writing. I'm the writer's assistant on Bel Air, and I'm working on my own YA romance novel. So um, mm. we'll see when that gets. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll all come to come. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um. And go ahead. And I'll say, and I have one more thing that's coming out soon. Um, I'm starting a podcast as well that should be launching um, called uh, No Black Girls Were Harmed in the Making of This, dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> and essentially, it's I'm starting with a friend, um, Adrian. She's also an author. And um, basically, we deep dive into all of, uh, we um, analyze all the pop culture and, you know, film, TV, movies, books, all that. Um that we grew up on to simply ask, where are all the black girls? <laughs> where? Cool. Um, um, so that should be coming out soon. Cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. It sounds really fun. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Caroline. I really appreciate thank you. it. Um, <laughs> and I can't wait to see Bel Air, hear your new podcast, 
read that YA romance novel, see <laughs> your movies, and hopefully once again, hopefully the pandemic will be gone eventually and we can go outside and see you do some stand-up. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to leave a review on the Apple Podcast Store. Also, if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, you can find it under Rom Ever After on both platforms. And if you wish to just follow me for other randomness, you can catch me at Ali is Writing on both platforms as well. Until next week, 